Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence that gives us such joy, such hope, such anticipation. Take these moments now as we wait upon you. Walk amongst us. Visit with us personally, one by one. In your mercy, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, we are right in the middle now of this series on what on earth am I here for? And we've been reading the book by Rick Warren week by week. There are five big reasons why we are here on earth. The first is that we were made by God to worship him. That within us is the innate desire to worship someone, something, because originally God created us to worship him. And if we won't worship him, we will find someone or something other than him to worship. But we will worship. Whether it's beauty, wealth, security, family, whatever. We are made to worship, to give him pleasure. From our end, that looks like worship. Worship not just in church, in a service, but with the whole of our lives. Whatever we do, done as unto him. Secondly, we were made to belong. Just like these little ones here, presented to the Lord. They belong in families. Little ones know about belonging even before they're able to self-consciously know what that means. During the Second World War, in Nazi Germany, they had all kinds of babies in cribs. In wards, like hospital wards. No parents. Wherever they were, these babies there without parents. And what they discovered is that unless those babies are held and embraced and have human intercourse, even when they're just little babies, fellowship with other humans, they were growing up empty and broken. They began to get nurses coming in to hold the babies, just to hold them. We were made to belong. That's called fellowship in the Bible. Made for not just a relationship with God, but with each other. The third is that we were created to become like Christ. To be conformed to his image. To become more and more like him so that as we are born again into his family, made a new creation, to grow up, to become like him. Not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds to be more and more like Jesus. 
This morning, what we are looking at is another huge truth that we were made for a mission. That is, we were saved by God's grace, brought into his family, in order to serve. In fact, to talk about being a Christian who's not serving is to put two things together that are incongruous. The assumption is, and the teaching of the Bible is, that we who have come to faith in Christ Jesus are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, that is, deeds of loving, caring service that he prepared beforehand, before we came to faith in Christ. And one of the reasons we were brought to faith in Christ is that we might live out our lives fulfilling the mission that God has for each of us. So Jesus himself, in John chapter 17, which is a prayer of Jesus, prayed at the Last Supper, his last evening on earth, before he was betrayed and executed the very next day. That night, praying to the Father, anticipating that death, he not only took bread and broke it and gave us the communion service as a remembrance, the Last Supper, which we will remember again this morning, but he prayed this, Father, I have finished the work. I have completed the work you gave me to do. And just as Jesus was on mission, and his mission was over in 33 years, and he could pray to the Father that evening in anticipation of what was happening the next day, I have completed the work you have given me to do. So when we pray, as in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's in my life, for the mission you have for me, for the very reason you drew me to the cross and had me put my faith in you, Lord Jesus, all that you prepared for me. Let me inherit that, walking it, walk in it and get on with it. That's what we're looking at this morning. If you turn to, in your Bibles, John, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, and or in your service sheet on page 6, it'll bring you to these words that we're going to consider together. Verse 3 of Romans 12, you have Paul saying this, writing to them and in effect to us this morning. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. I've written over this statement to get serious about ourselves that you would get serious about yourself 
you notice that it tells you not to regard yourself more highly than you ought. But on the other hand, it does say, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. According to whatever enlightenment you have from God, whatever faith and seeing things in that faith from his point of view, take a look at your life and consider with sober judgment what you are doing with that life. So either way, don't consider yourself more highly than you ought, but in the light of your relationship to Christ, with sober judgment, take a look at yourself. Think about yourself. Regard yourself. Do you know that God is actually telling you to sit down or stand up and take a look at yourself? Think about where you are and what you are doing with the life he has given you. It's a serious business. And I'm asking you in the name, the same name as that Lord Jesus, to seriously consider yourself and take a look at yourself. We're not to just be consumers here, but producers. We're not here to take up space and time and breath and air and food, but to give back. God has got a plan for us to use our lives for purposes that he has in mind. So take a careful look at yourself. We're saved not to sit around and do nothing. On the other hand, whatever service we render is not what saves us, us, rescues us, brings us to faith. We serve because we are saved, because we have a relationship with God. And it's not just out of obligation. It's out of a joyful response for all he's given to us, for all he has done for us. This has been stated. A Christian who does not serve is a contradiction in terms. Just as I stated earlier, Christians, born again, believers in the Lord Jesus, are recreated in Christ in order to serve. And if we're not serving, we need to ask ourselves how seriously are we related to Christ? The word service literally means in the New Testament to minister. In other words, you're giving. It's not about getting, it's about giving. As Jesus says, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you're willing to lose it for his name's sake, you gain life eternal. That seems to be contradictory. But when you hang on to yourself and it's all about you, you lose. When you surrender yourself to him and it becomes all about him and what he wants you to do, Amazingly, miraculously, you grow, you gain. There's joy in that. So that is the first huge reason that you need to get serious about yourself. 
and take a look at yourself and see where you find yourself. Secondly, to get serious about the body of Christ, the family of the church. Look at what verses 4 and 5 say. Just as each of us has one body with many members, speaking about our human bodies, and these members of our human body do not all have the same function, we all do different things, these members, fingers and feet, toes, eyes, ears, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. If you had your own Bible, I'd have you underline that. Each of the members belongs to all the others. As my hand belongs to the rest of my body, as my toes belong to more than my feet, so we belong to each other. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, it goes on to say. But to consider together and take seriously that Christ has made us new in himself, drawn us to himself, and not only so, but to each other, so that we belong to each other. And what the Bible refers to as the family of God or the body of Christ is the church, the family of believers. Now let me seriously ask you this question. How committed to you are you to the family? Are you committed to any gathering of believers? Christ has made you not just for your relationship to him and to get you to heaven one day, but for your relationship to each other so that we can be there for each other. So that in relationship to each other, we can discover what kind of gifts we have, mature in our relationship to him, grow up, become more and more conformed to his image. How do you think that takes place? In isolation? Satan would have you live in isolation because you can be picked off. But when you're with the family and they're watching your back, I was watching one of the families down here where there were three little kids and the littlest of them was running around and the other two were running around right behind her because the little one was in danger of taking off and getting herself into trouble, and the other two were following her around, just like you see me moving here, to be sure she didn't get herself into trouble. That's what we are to be to each other, to watch each other's backs, to be encouragers. One of our staff came up and gave me a big smile, one of the women who works to make our church look clean and tidy for you to come and worship in, came up and gave me a big smile. I said, your smile is such an encouragement. You should just keep smiling. Some of us have the gift of encouragement. Just a smile can lift your spirits. If you've got a good smile, use it. Wear it. You'll never wear it out. 
the gift of encouragement. We need each other. So in the tough times, we can be there to pray for one another. We've been encouraging the members of this church to get into small groups. So we've got over 400 right now in small groups. We've got a long way to go. But that enables you to get to know one another by name, by circumstance. It's real. Like the show that used to be on TV, I guess it still runs late nights and other times. Cheers. It's the pub in Boston where everybody knows your name. Does everybody know you? Does anybody know your name? We're made to belong to each other and it's in that context that we discover who we are as followers of Jesus. Not who we are, but what he's made us to be. So we can encourage one another in our gifts and ministry. Take the body of Christ seriously. If you're not committed anywhere, get committed. And get committed here if this is a part of your church. Then verses 6 and 8 talk about us getting serious concerning the gifts and about the gifts that God has given to us. Look at verse 6. So we have different gifts according to the grace given us. When you see that little line, grace given us, look at what Paul says in verse 3 where we began. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself, etc., God gave Paul the grace to speak directly to these folks in Rome, in effect directly to us this morning, about needing to take ourselves seriously, not in the sense that we overestimate who we are, nor underestimate who we are, but in a sober sense, take a look at who we really are, in the light of how God has revealed himself to us, and what we need to be doing. So it is with these gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And this list that follows is not an exhaustive list by any means. But if a man's gift is prophesying, that's like speaking out the word of God into a situation, like Paul is here, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is in serving, let him serve. If it is in teaching, let him teach. If it is in encouraging, how about that? Let him or her encourage. If it is in contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, nothing moves in the right direction without leadership. Without leadership, it will always go in the wrong direction. Let him govern diligently. Serious business. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. What in effect God is saying is that he has given us gifts by which to minister to the rest of the family. Many more besides. Talked of in other places. How do you discover your gift? 
part of the need to be in the family is by that family discovering your gift or gifts. Rick Warren has put together the word shape, S-H-A-P-E, as an acrostic for these descriptives. The S is for spiritual gifts. Whenever we come to faith in Christ, each of us is given at least one spiritual gift. To discover what that gift is. The H is for heart, for our passion. What are your passions? What is it you really love to do? What is it you could give yourself to with all your heart? That's an indicator. The A is for your abilities. We've got a whole variety of abilities here. I mean, some of you are really tightly wrapped and good at organization. You get somebody who is loosely wrapped and kind of chaotic in the way they manage their time and affairs. You don't want them running anything. But you do need them because they've got other gifts. They may be caring, loving people. They may be the kind of glue given their personality that is able to hold a family together. Build relationships. Make a sense of community. Something that you want to be a part of. We've got a whole variety of ability to use your abilities in the service of the Lord. Fourthly, there's personality. What a variety of personality we have here. I would guess that when everybody here in this church and in the other service walked in through the doors, I'm anticipating that you were greeted warmly by someone. Because we've got people out there who are joyful. Now, we don't find the morose, introverted, self-conscious, we don't put them at the front door. You wouldn't want to be greeted by them. But at the extrovert, the person who gladly opens up their arms and welcomes you. Now, the introvert, the self-conscious, the quiet, can come alongside in pain and trouble and pray with people, bear their burdens in a way that the exuberant tend not to be able to. This isn't to limit us. I know that I'm multifaceted in my personality. Hearing me preach, you think I'm always up and at it and coming at you. But there are times when I'm very quiet and withdrawn. I have to cool it. I actually love these September mornings with the mist and the gray. I'm English. I was raised on it. Speaking of that and human personality, have you ever heard the description of heaven where it says the French are the cooks? The Germans run the railways and the Italians are the greeters. Hell is where the English are the cooks. The Italians run the train service 
and the Germans are the greeters. I mean, we've got different personality traits. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. I know you all laugh about English cooking. I love it. I was raised on it. I've also become Americanized. So I eat pizza, which is Italian. God's given you a personality that's unique to you. And then your experiences. Educational experience, family experience, trauma, sickness, work, neighborhood, racial, whatever your background, those experiences. Just extraordinary that God can take all that, your shape, your S for spiritual gifts, H for heart passions, A for your abilities, P for your personality, and E for your experience. And out of that, all unique to you, use you. Let me close with this. There's something in Africa called the Rift Valley. It's a huge cleft in the Earth's surface. It runs all the way down from the Sahara down through Kenya. It actually starts in the Middle East and the River Jordan runs down that valley. The Sea of Galilee is actually below sea level. And it keeps running south to nearly the lowest point on earth, which is the Dead Sea. So the Jordan ends up in the Dead Sea, does not flow out of the Dead Sea. That's where it ends. And the Dead Sea is stagnant and it is dead. Maturity, Christian maturity is not getting more and more information and stashing it away and doing nothing with it. Christian maturity is meant for ministry. So that when the River Jordan runs into Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, it runs through the Sea of Galilee and out the other end. And like the river of life running through us, the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life. The Dead Sea is stagnant and dead. To have the Spirit of God running through you, using you, have you teeming with life. Put yourself to work in his name. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we prepare our hearts to come to your holy table and to kneel before your cross as if being at that cross and reaching out and taking the bread and drinking the wine as if somehow in that act 
Your dying on the cross for us is memorialized, commemorated in that action. And we thank you. Pour out our hearts back to you. Surrender our lives afresh to you. And ask you, Lord, to fill us with yourself. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We want to be yours. We want to serve you and to use up these lives for the very purpose for which you died for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus.